this a thing we are now doing now at the top of the show, which we may secretly be in, or is it something we do later? We have not started the show, although this uh, the pre-show banter may be mined for a pre-show clip or something like that. Yep, absolutely. We may, at this moment, be producing content. I dream to produce content every second of my life. It's my dream as a content producer. <laughs> hooked up like the Matrix. Yeah. Just like content spewing out of all the orifices of my body. Yep, yep. That's content, baby. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hallie Larson. That's me. Hi, I'm Christine Cherry. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Hallie, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Well, I already introduced myself a little. You might know me. I worked on Jamestown Legend of Last Colony and have been sort of not making anything you would have heard of unless you were in one of my classes or used a trailer website since then. I recently worked on a benefit sing-along for a podcast that's not written anyway. I'll let Christine describe it. (laughs) Other than that, I'm doing a little more work on a podcast where we talk to people about, like, how they learn to play card games with each other that we're still sort of getting to production, but I'm excited about that, and I will probably plug that. Very cool. And Christine, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, my name is Christine Cherry. The thing that I am currently doing right now is I'm the co-host of another podcast called Burn Notice, which is a rewatch of the television show Burn Notice. I know that that was the thing that everyone was clamoring for, but we are doing it. It's being done. Beyond that, I've worked on a bunch of stuff. I wrote and directed a web series called Relativity. I worked on another web series co-created with my writing partner, Brie Castellini, called Brie and Cress are Depressed. Bree and Chris are depressed. I kind of said it like Cress, like Watercress. It's not Watercress, it's Cress. <laughs> Watercrestine. There's that. I co-wrote a novel called Road Trippy, which you can buy off Amazon, and a bunch of other stuff. If you want to know more about the things that I do, you can go to my website, thechrischerry.com. Send me links to all this stuff, and I'll put it in the show notes. Of course. How how is the um how how far are you into the burn notice podcast? As of this recording, we're about to be done with season five. Oh, so this has been going on a while. No, this has been going on for about two years, year and a half. Been, yeah, been going long enough for like another burn notice podcast to start and then fizzle in the exactly. meantime. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have been about two years because about the length of time that I've lived in Los Angeles. I've always felt that, like, I wouldn't have the temperament uh, for to do that sort of podcast because I would just get bored of it being about the same thing every episode. But I guess not everybody's like me. Which is why you discuss topics. That's right. That's why I, I have not even the slightest restriction on what can be discussed <laughs> on this show. I mean, that's the other way to go about it. I think there's yeah. something interesting and having to watch the same thing all the time. I have such a weird relationship with Burn Notice now. Like, it's very much a familial relationship. I look upon Burn Notice as my weird uncle, like, briefly doing well 10 years ago, but now kind of lives in our basement. Sure. Doing fine. He's going to get back up. 
I would do a podcast with your uncle. Yeah, oh, you can't. We're doing it already. It's called Burn Notice. <laughs> okay, someone beat me to it. Multiple people beat you to it. There was a re-listen podcast of this podcast briefly. That is true. There was briefly a podcast that was about reviewing the episodes of our podcast that was about reviewing the episodes of Burn Notice. It was called Burn Notice Notice. That was hosted by my good friends Joe Heath and Tony Becknell Heath. I'm directing this to Topics Lord listeners. You have failed me. Uh, that, yeah, that, that show, which was frankly better than our show, <laughs> was hosted by my friends um, Joe and Tony Heath, who also host a podcast about Doctor Who, where they're watching all of Doctor Who starting from 1963. I'm a very common guest on that podcast. You can hear me on that podcast. Um, and actually, Hallie just alluded to a thing that we did very recently, wherein she, myself, and a few of, of our friends who are guests on that podcast recorded a sort of not quite charity single. I say not quite because we're not making any money off it. And if we did, <laughs> it would not go to charity. I mean, it would go to me. I'm a charity case. <laughs> yeah. But it was in the style of a charity single, a real charity single, that did exist in the 1980s that happened while Doctor Who was on hiatus. Oh, wait, was We Are the World actually about Doctor Who and how to bring it back? <laughs> uh, not We Are the World, but the song that came out the week later. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was not a week later, but it was very recent. We Are the Time Lords. Yeah, and it was this song that was put together by Doctor Who super fan and famous kind of nasty person in Libya. This is real deep Doctor Who lore. I don't need to get into that. That's not one of the topics. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Uh, if we want to get into it, and like I would say, like around '86, during Colin Baker's tenure as the Doctor, very controversial. The show was pulled by the BBC, by the head of drama, Michael Gray, famously hated Doctor Who. Um, and it was unclear if the show was cancelled or just being put on hiatus. And so Ian Levine, who was a very well-known fan of Doctor Who, and at the time was also serving as like an unofficial like continuity consultant on the show, got very annoyed that the show was off the air, and so organized this song called Doctor in Distress. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not a good song. Although, playing keyboards on this track is a very young Hans Zimmer. Wow. <laughs> that, is, that is a true fact. Um, I'm not sure I knew that. And so, my friends Joe and Tony temporarily put their podcast on like a three-week hiatus, maybe like a month hiatus. At, at approximately the same time in the continuity of the show, right? Exactly. Like, this happened to be at the same time that they were in the part of the show where Doctor in Distress was recorded. So I, to mark the occasion, recorded a song that sounds like Doctor in Distress, but it's about their podcast. And Hallie sang on it. I did. Wow. Yeah, that's intense. It was a lot. Yeah. 
nobody's done anything like that for Topic Lords. Again, listeners, <laughs> get on it. How many hiatuses do you go on? Uh, actually, it's been, uh, that's a good point. I need to stop before, before they can call me back. You gotta make them miss you. Yeah, it's, it, this show has come out 8 a.m. Monday on the dot for almost two years now, so. That's hard to do. I really appreciate that. That's like. Well, the way I do it is I just have like a backlog of like five or six episodes at any given time. Oh yeah, you gotta bank some. I shipped a game. And despite not recording anything during the month before I shipped, I still came out with an episode every week. Nice. That's the hustle. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been it's a it's a lot of work. It's it's more work than I expected when I started the show, and it's frankly more work than it needs to be. No, yeah, you you get in there and do some like real real serious editing in in really constructive ways. Well, now I now I pay someone else to do that. So. Oh God, that's even better. Yeah, from your perspective, anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like that person's making money. That's right. So win win, win win win, the third win for the audience. <laughs> Are we ready to start on some topics? Oh, that would be lovely. All right. Hallie, your topic is: Where are my glasses? Have you checked the couch cushions? So I lost my glasses about. So yesterday is when I noticed them missing. Right. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of thing. We have scoured this apartment and... A little bit of context. Hallie, you normally live very far away from I normally live in Maine, yes. I wasn't going to dox you? No, no, you can... I've doxed myself on this show before. Okay, you normally live in Maine. Mm Mm-hmm. And you still technically live in Maine. I do live in Maine. I am, in fact, flying back there tomorrow night. But for the past, like, three or four days, you have been existing here. That is correct. I've been staying with you in in Los Angeles. So, yeah. Los Angeles. How how do locals say the name of this city? I think we don't have to because we live here. Uh, It's it's pronounced San Pedro. (laughs) I had no idea. And so, yesterday we noticed that her glasses were missing. Were missing? Missing? Missing. Missing isn't a word. Is missing a word, Jim? Uh, I think you're thinking of micturating. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know what that means, so I don't know whether or not I was doing it. I <laughs> forgot. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a fancy way of saying a urinating, which is already fancy, so it's double fancy. It's double fancy. True. What's the base level of fancy? Or not, like, what's zero fancy? Is that peeing? No, peeing is one fancy. Is peeing one cute? Like, is peeing the baseline or is pissing the baseline? This oh, is my question. Right. This is my question. Is peeing zero and pissing negative one. Right. Because that's less fancy. Like, it's, yeah. it's actively crude. Peeing might be neutral. We need to get a linguist on this show. I think we have to go into, like, class politics on that. I don't know that I can do that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you looking for your glasses, by the way? I'm not right this second. No, we were explaining the situation with my glasses and got sidetracked. This is part of why we haven't found my glasses. Anyway... We've looked right. all over this apartment, which is not my apartment, um, where I know the like five places my glasses usually are at this point. Right. Uh, also, because I don't have an apartment, I own a farmhouse, sort of. Oh. The bank owns wow. a farmhouse. It's you know the, it was like the last house we could buy on the teacher salary, and the admin salary that my wife and I share. It's big, but I know like the three places, and we're anyway. We don't need to get into. 
my house that I have because we live in Maine where houses are affordable in some of the outlying regions. As opposed to in California where housing is insanely expensive. Right. Because houses are smaller, there are fewer places for glasses to be. Correct. But we're in an apartment and I haven't found them yet. Did you check the fridge? I'm going to go check the fridge. You check the fridge. I will Christine, say, yeah, you, yeah, you, I keep will filing, you keep filling Jim in on what's going on. I'm going to so go check the fridge. I will say the flip side of having an apartment where there's less space means that you have more things in a smaller amount of space, which means there's more things for the glasses to hide behind. Oh, yes. My room right now, we are sitting in my room. I am sitting upon my bed on which I sleep. Because you don't own a chair. Well, Hallie was sitting on a chair. Okay. I thought this was like how no one in LA owns a chair. I know. I own exactly one they chair. They own one chair. Yeah, I've got the one chair. I mean, we've got couches in the living room and stuff, but we're recording in my room. Where I've got the chair, because I'm the only one who lives in this room. Right. And So why would I need a second chair? In case you want to record a podcast, which you do every week. With myself. My co-host records in a different building. Oh, okay. We do it like we've been doing. Actually, because we started the podcast while I was living in New York City. And um, immediately, like three weeks into me deciding that I wanted to do this podcast. And when I say I decided that I wanted to do this podcast, what I meant was my co-host, Bree, decided that we were doing this podcast. And she has a very strong force of personality, and so I disagree with the things that she says. I see. And Anyway, so my room is normally kind of messy, but also Hallie's stuff is now also in here. So there's a lot of stuff just kind of strewn about. Hallie is back from her sojourn to the fridge. Were they in the fridge? Hallie, she is shaking her head. No. They were not in the fridge. Uh, But we're taking more calls. Listeners, if you want to tell us where you think the glasses are, we will check. If they're still missing six weeks from now. Okay, here's an idea. Take a bunch of photos of the apartment. We'll put them in the show notes. And if anybody spots the glasses in the photos, then we'll know where they were six weeks ago. That's the delay this podcast is on. Meanwhile, I will be back in Maine. Yeah, I will be back in Maine and we'll have gotten new glasses. Okay, I guess it won't it won't help to ship them to you then. I will say I really appreciate your idea of farming this out to the internet. Um, but I kind of hate the idea of strangers looking at my apartment. Yeah, I get it. That's the only uh, the only reason. Though. You know how on uh, on old news broadcasts when they wanted to hide somebody's identity they'd pitch their voice down oh yeah yeah what would be the visual equivalent of that i guess it's the mosaic right yeah a mosaic over the entire image which would make it kind of hard to find glasses but you gotta find those find the glasses those glasses pixels yeah my new plan is to look in high tall places because hallie is taller than me and she also put a razor on, like, glass shower door. Mm-hmm. And it never in my life occurred to me that one could put something there. Yeah, put it right there. Shaving my legs. Um, Just put it the glasses the were there. not there. But 
they could be somewhere like that. Yeah, could be somewhere high up. At this point in time, they are either somewhere completely ridiculous or incredibly obvious. I think they're at the Korean restaurant. We will check the Korean restaurant tomorrow. Okay. Okay. We, yeah, can we not check it? Unless you're going to take the laptop with you. <laughs> yes. I um, mean, do your readers not want, like, uh, a two-hour podcast where we order Korean barbecue? <laughs> That's not one of the topics, but it could be. It's true. That is true. That's content, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. I will say, we called the Korean restaurant, um, and they said they did not have them. They said they had a pair of glasses that was white and a pair that were blue, and my glasses are black. Right. So if anyone else out there sees some black plastic frames, the right eye of which is more more nearsighted than the left, um, with some slight astigmatism correcting, you know, let me know. Yeah. W- my son, Winston, will refer to clear glass as white because it doesn't have a tint to it mm. so maybe he answered the phone at this restaurant does your son work at a korean barbecue restaurant in los angeles uh no but well maybe i i drop him off at preschool at eight thirty. wait eight, eight, anyway somewhere around there and i don't know what they do with him from there so maybe There might be a call center in there. Yeah. God, I just got so depressed about preschool call centers becoming a real thing (laughs) in my life. Uh, So I was was thinking we would move on to this topic when we find your glasses, but I think we also need to come up up with like a deadline. Like at some point, we need to give up and move on to the next topic. Uh, I think now is a good time. We've actually scoured this apartment pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Um, I put okay. this in several hours ago, and we've continued to look for my glasses for the past 24, and they still haven't okay. turned up. So Okay, all right. It's, it's, you have my permission to move on and leave me in my suffering. Oh. It's okay. We can do like a benefit concert. We will. Good idea. I'll record a song. Christine, your topic is, nighttime is the time of abstract possibility and imagination because the world is gone. I mean, on, to some extent, it's what it says on the tin. I saw a post on some social network that explained this idea more eloquently than I. Um, but it's an idea that I really vibed with because I love being awake at night. Yeah. Being awake during the day, terrible. Hate it. <laughs> being awake at noon, absolute worst. Terrible. Noon, worst time of the day. Sun is way up in the sky. There's not even shadows. Is noon the most concrete time of day? It is. It is the most concrete time of day. Uh, there's no shadows, so nothing is hidden. Nothing is obscured. There's no possibility. It's all depressingly there and real. It's also the daytime. It's the time when you're at work. It's the time wherein you have obligations. But like nighttime... Nighttime is a time for campfire stories, for, like, snuggling in bed, for bedtime stories. It's a, a time of imagination. It's like, you know, the sun is, is not there. It's not overpowering. We have, like, the moon and the stars. You can see the stars at night. 
and the stars beckon. And they sort of, looking at the stars, is that's what possibility is, you know? Yeah, there's definitely something special about the dark. Because mm-hmm. it's, you don't know what's there. Could be anything. Yeah. Yeah, during the day, you're at, at preschool and have to work for the, for the phone center at the Korean barbecue thing. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them next time I pick Winston up from school how he did how he did at the call center. <laughs> you should, you should, because if they give you that funny look, you know maybe um maybe find a different daycare center. But exactly. How does he know? Yeah, but if they just tell you straight and come clean, then then they're probably worth sticking. That's that's right. Yeah, I want them to be straight shooters about their child exploitation. Exactly. Look, you need the child labor to be above board. Right. Jim, what would you say is your favorite hour of the day? Oh, I mean, I used to love 2 a.m. I still love 2 a.m. in the abstract, but it's I'm not at a place in my life where I can have that time. I'm right there with you, honestly. I love a 2 a.m., but, like, I'm usually in bed by 9.30. Yeah, I should be in bed by 9.30, but I usually start going to sleep around 11. I need to get up in the morning to take my son to school and before my son was in school i got up in the morning to take care of him had it pretty sweet for a while where my wife would handle that stuff and i would stay up until 2 a.m making video games which was by the way a compromise that we came to like i would probably naturally stay up later than that Mm -hmm. push came to shove and and uh she had to go back to work and it was either you know send my son to daycare during maximum COVID or take care of him myself. There was no choice. I had to take care of him myself. And that meant like making the enormous psychological shift of becoming a morning person. Yeah. I don't have children. I don't often see children. You know what a child is, right? They're the short ones. (laughs) Some of the short ones. It's like a tree, but shorter. It's like a tree, but shorter, and it usually has stickier hands and makes more noise. Ah. May or may not be cuter than a tree, depending on your feelings on the cuteness of trees. Okay. I mean, I do think trees are very cute. Okay, kids are often cuter still. Oh, okay. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Well, so I haven't seen children, but I do believe in them. But I do think I can relate to your story, because you were a parent, and I had to watch a dog for a week. (laughs) <laughs> and I also had to get up early for that and that was a lot that totally like took my sleep schedule and ruined it by which I mean converted it to normal because uh, I do I also actually agree with you both that the best time is 2am oh, yeah. Yeah. the thing that I always attributed my preference of nighttime to is that it is the time that no one's going to interrupt me while I'm working mm-hmm because everyone else is asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really thought about the, the darkness is where the magic happens, but that's also true. Yeah, I then I taught high school for five years, and watching other people's children also turned me into a, into a morning person. Again, Holly lives, again, on an unspecified stage in the East Coast. Yep. You know, the main one. Yeah. And I <laughs> live in Los Angeles, and... There was a period of time wherein she would wake up in the morning and text me good morning, and I would still be awake from the night before. We would usually meet 
around my 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Where I was just getting up and getting ready for my day, and she was going to sleep. And I love that, because I love... Yeah, there's no responsibilities but the ones that you make for yourself at 2 a.m. Yeah. And those are the best responsibilities. And part of getting work done is feeling like you don't have any responsibilities, so there's nothing to distract you from the work you want to get done. That's true. That's super true. I've done some of my best, like, fiction writing at, like, 2 a.m. Not all that time. Like, large swaths of what I wrote for that book, Road Trippy, that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, wrote it, like, between midnight and 2 a.m. Yeah. I think there's also some, maybe maybe something happening there where as you get groggy, as you get tired, like, your filters go to sleep first. Oh, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, and so you get a little bit more creative. That absolutely hits for me. Uh, and I think it's also, like, harder to get bored. Mm. So you can that's focus cool. better. Huh, that's neat. I think that it's like, not necessarily that it's harder to get bored. It's, it feels like during the day, when you're bored, it feels like a failure. Because you're supposed to be productive, you're supposed to be doing things. Mm. Whereas at night, nothing's expected of you. you. feel bored, you just feel. You just sit and it's like, this is right. <laughs> I don't huh. need to be doing anything. I don't have expectations that I'm supposed to be doing things, that things are supposed to happen to me. I just get to be. And that's all I want to do is to be. It definitely jives with me. I definitely, like, had... I feel most productive when, like, my fear of doing, like, the wrong one of the seven things I can think of to do or my inability to break tasks down stops me from, like, doing a thing. And I can just do a thing. Starting at around two o'clock in the morning, if if I'm going that direction and in a super angry. Right. So that vibes. Definitely vibes. Are we ready for another topic? Sure, let's do another yes. topic. Uh, my topic is this huge tub of homemade tomb. Uh, are you too familiar with the, the food stuff tomb? T-O-U-M? Only because I asked you what it was yesterday. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Right. This is a, a, apparently a Lebanese thing. I have actually never been to a Lebanese restaurant, but I read about this on Twitter and I had to make it an emulsion like mayonnaise, but instead of eggs, uh, it's made of oil and garlic. Mm. So it's uh, three parts canola oil, one part garlic. You put it in a food processor, there's a little bit of lemon and salt, and uh, it has the consistency of mayonnaise, but it tastes just incredibly strong raw garlic so it's got since it's raw it's got the it's got the, the burning. burning sensation yeah i'm i'm not gonna lie this sounds amazing i really want it i love the garlic burn mm-hmm. it's a good burn <laughs> i've i've been yelled at for putting too much garlic in in hummus raw not yelled at but told by people that they would never eat my hummus again Ah, uh, but i love it <laughs> i don't think there's such thing as too much garlic question the people who yelled at you about this. Yes. Could you see them in mirrors? Did you. <laughs> could they not come into your house before you invited them? That's, um, that's a really good question. I'm just such a nice person. I'm just like, hey, come on in. Have some tomb. Wait, is the idea that vampires don't like garlic because it just tastes bad to them? <laughs> yeah, no, they don't have garlic in their cuisine. Yeah. Oh man, now, now I feel bad for them. Right? right? Isn't that sad? Yeah. It's, just, but it's just all it's all white. cultural. 
That makes sense. So many things that we think are biological are at least as much cultural. Mm-hmm. It's true. Same is true for vampires. The the blood drinking does have some some biological basis, right? Yeah, because the uh, vampire gene. The vampire gene. Yeah. But, like, you can have that and not be a vampire. I mean, yes. God. Science. Science is weird. I love um, that we're still finding answers. I think, like... the year of our Lord, 2021. People, if you only took, like, biology in school or whatever, mm-hmm. and you don't really keep up with it, you might think that there is, like, a binary between, like, vampires and non-vampires, mm-hmm. but it's really more of a spectrum, where, like, a, it's a collection of traits, pointy teeth and blood drinking and, you know, the sun thing and the sparkling, uh, oh. the ability to turn to a bat. These are all traits that can manifest and often manifest together, but it doesn't have to be. Are you only diagnosed a vampire if they interfere with your ability to work? Mm-hmm. This is true. Huh. Fascinating. The first vampires that were diagnosed were door-to-door salesmen. That makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> at least they had to get consent before coming. Or some of them, I guess, did. Look at me being a generalizationist about vampires. Generalizationist is a good word that I definitely didn't just accidentally make. There's up. only real words on this podcast. No, you made it up on purpose. I was there. That's good to know. I appreciate that. How's your tomb, Jim? Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, my wife hates it a lot. Like, she made a point to stop complaining when she smells that I just had some of it in the kitchen. When she, I, never, I never eat it in front of her, but, like, she's just always walking into yeah. the kitchen after I eat some, and then she's like, oh my god, it smells like garlic in here. Now she's not doing that, because she just decided she just wanted to stop complaining. Gonna roll with it now. I will say, uh, how's your tomb, Jim? As a question that is often also asked about people making tomb. But also vampires. Yeah, that maybe that's why they hate it so much. Exactly. The confusion between the vocabulary. Huh, so it's all just a big mess of God. I need to know more about vampires. I should stop reading, like, vampire hunters writing about vampires. You can read Anne Rice and hear it right from the source. That's a good point. How far through your tomb are you? Reasonably far in part because I brought a chunk of it over to April's sister's house where it was a big hit. That's a really good idea. Got rid of it somewhat that way. I have a half jug of kimchi when I come home that I may deal with by finding other I mean, do you at this point have a workplace? It's my second floor in my house at this point. Okay. You know how people used to, like, bake bake cookies and then bring them to work? Mm Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. You have to eat them all yourself now. Yeah. Yeah. More cookies for me. That's good. I did mail you cookies once because of that exact reason. That is true. <laughs> I do miss that. I was someone who loved bringing baked goods to work. I make a lot of fudge. I make a lot of banana pudding. I cookies and stuff. I loved bringing things to work. How, how many marshmallows are in fudge? Uh, well, it depends. So when I was a child, my mother had this recipe for fudge that she got from her mother, which I'm pretty sure her mother got from the back of a package of marshmallows. And it is a fudge recipe that re- requires a certain amount of marshmallows. And on, on the recipe card that my mother had, it said it requires 130 miniature marshmallows. And so when I was a child, 
my mom would be like, well, it's time to cut the marshmallows, to count them all so that we don't, you know, do too many or too little or whatever. We got to get it right. And so me and my mother would sit there in front of the hot boiling fudge base and just put in like one, two, three, or like by fives or whatever until we got to 130 marshmallows. And then my mom would grab like a handful more and toss them in and look like she had done something naughty. <laughs> and Classic. I just did this every time. You're supposed to stop at 130. Yeah. And I did this for many years. I learned how to make the fudge. It's really good fudge. I highly recommend it. And I was visiting some friends of mine and I was making it for them because they had just gotten married. Um, I hadn't gotten them anything. So I was making them fudge. and. I started counting it manually, and they're like, what are you doing? How many marshmallows is that? And it turned out to be basically a cup of marshmallows. It was exactly a cup, cup of marshmallows. marshmallows. <laughs> no, it it's gets how better. I've heard it. It gets better. Do you know how many miniature marshmallows equals a regular-sized marshmallow? Thirteen. So it's just ten marshmallows. Is that by weight or by volume? By volume i think that is what the conversion rate is if you're cooking according to google right if you want to substitute miniature marshmallows for big marshmallows it's like 13 miniature marshmallows per big marshmallow so nowadays when i do it i buy big marshmallows and i just toss them in there and then i toss an 11th one and i feel naughty but if i had a child which I've just learned about. Do you know where to get them? Uh, well, I assume it's like from a nursery, like trees. If I had a child, I would make the child count the 130 marshmallows because that's what I had to do. But I also think that was very important because I was a small child and I couldn't have done a lot to make this fudge, but I felt very accomplished, like as a four or five year old, yeah. helping my mom count all of those marshmallows because it's it's a task that is involved enough that it takes effort to do it but it's easy enough for a small child to do yeah she was keeping you busy exactly it makes you feel good yeah you throw in that last handful of marshmallows for satan exactly <laughs> satan really does love marshmallows. Mm -hmm. i mean who doesn't god really i don't know where do you I get one of those? Do <laughs> <laughs> you get those in the nursery, too? I still haven't found one. I keep thinking I'll find one somewhere. Yeah. Like, I keep, my problem is I keep using marshmallows as bait. Yeah, you know what? Like, that sounds like a pretty solid plan, honestly. <laughs> problem is, if you eat the marshmallows. Are we ready for another topic? Sure, what's next? For this topic, we're going to be watching Turn Down for What by DJ Snake and Little John at one quarter speed. All right, and again, this is a music video that neither you, Hallie, nor you, Jim, have seen before. That's correct. But I, as someone who is very online in the year of 2014, have seen multiple times. Dear God, this has a billion views. Yeah, it does. It was a big deal. Appar apparently, this is a big deal, yeah. Uh, all right, I will uh, count down from three, and we'll hit play on zero. Great. Three. Two, one, play. 
We got a black screen. These videos, they love to start with a black screen that goes on for a little bit too long when you're playing it at quarter speed, (laughs) just to fuck with the Topic Lord's recordings. (laughs) It's almost as if they didn't plan for that. Yeah. Now I'm seeing, like, the same window three times, and Well, I think it was- Yeah, yeah. Different windows, because we were going up. So now we're on the roof. But it was the it was the same thing in the window. It was, and now there's this guy in like a white tank top and a blue button down. He might not be a guy. I don't know. It's hard to tell in this lighting. It might not be a button down. I think it might be a hoodie. I think it's it, a hoodie. oh, it is a hoodie. You're right. the The resolution just got better. In some sort of city on a rooftop, there's mountains. He's jiggling. He is jiggling. He might be crying. He is. He seems. As if something is taking him over. Do you think this is DJ Snake or Lil John? It's uh, definitely not Lil John. It's not Lil John. I've seen Lil John before. Okay, I, I've never seen Lil John. Uh, so this is a music music video that already has a slowed down bit. And so right. We're, it's it's oh, already yeah. in slow motion, but now it's an extra slow motion. Oh, he has fallen through the roof and into someone's house. They seem pretty upset about it. Oh, me, yeah. Me too. Do I recognize her? I don't know. Yeah, she's the one from the Turn Down for What music video. <laughs> oh, sure. Like you do. Also, the camera is now making clear. It wasn't clear before. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very nice composition there. Yeah. This man is fully erect. Uh huh. Like, he's wearing like, sweatpants or something. Yeah, there was a bulge in those sweatpants and a woman's face, like, right above the Y. Just like. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's now, now humping the. T- no, he's done humping the television. He was humping the television. He's now humping. The coffee table. The coffee table. The, the woman whose house has been intruded upon is leaving the room in her bathrobe. Yeah, the, you, you know this guy's in a bad way because a coffee table is m- not my first go-to for hump furniture to hump. It looks as if maybe police have been called, or someone's been called. Uh, he has a badge, but his face is melted off now, so I don't know if he's going to be able to do much. Yeah. His face melted into a- oh, the phone burned on his junk. I figured the guy's face melted because he was so horny, but- uh. They didn't even involve the penis until afterwards. It could be that the drop was so sick. Like, we can't hear the drop right now. That's oh, yeah. true. I think it's because the drop was so sick. He is now just right. shattering things with the power of his raw sexuality. Right. <laughs> I can't believe that neither of you have seen this I before. have never seen this before. I am wondering if she is one of the lesbian chicks from Glow or just looks like her. I think she just It looks is her. Like- she was oh, also- it is her. In um, Mr. Robot. Oh, right. I love her. Oh. I'm pretty sure that is her. Yay. She's great. Yeah, she's very good. I enjoy her. Is she a hacker in Mr. Robot? She on... is a hacker in Mr. Robot, yes. Yeah. I, at one point, was working on, just for fun, a script for a X-Files reboot. Uh-huh. Where a man was fucking everything mm-hmm. to explode. Yeah. Exactly, that was the first case. That was the first case file. Uh, but I always thought that she would be good as one of the leads. I agree. I think she's really talented and would like to see her as the lead in something. I'm now pretending this is an episode of the X-Files and she is one of the FBI agents. Yeah. 
She's the Scully stand-in, and she's really skeptical about how horny this guy she is. She really is. Yeah. And unfortunately, her partner's face melted off in the police precinct. <laughs> right. Oh, she seems less skeptical now. Well, that that happened to Scully, too. That does happen to Scully, as this man <laughs> fucks a television. The thing that's amazing about watching this music video at this speed <laughs> is that we're staying... Actually, no, because I don't want to spoil the video. Okay, good. All right, all right. We'll... Oh, no! Oh, no! She has crushed his face with her butt, and they're going into the next apartment, presumably to have sex with that family as well. Yeah, they're they're going to be infected next. Yeah, it's it's some sort of zombie yeah. sex thing. The, the Saint Vitus dance situation mm. here. This video inspired it follows. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just took a glass of a drink, a drink of water, so that was dangerous. You know, the thing that's wild to me about watching it at this speed is that it means that we spend so much more time on individual levels. Mm. Yeah, every every single shot feels extremely deliberate. Oh, this yeah. woman is is now entranced by the um, reversal of roles going on. Oh no, now we're back to a. Uh, a more traditional. Could I be that horny? I I don't know. Maybe. Could I be a fish doing push-ups? <laughs> it's also something to say that this video is still moving almost too fast to like describe what's happening, even though we're watching it at one quarter speed. It's that's a great point. It's actually incredibly fast paced. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah. So we have some bionic breasts going on now. That are like yeah. yeah. You did not prepare me for this, Christine. Well, no, I wanted to see you react to it blindly. That's fair. Once I found out that you guys had never seen it. Okay, so is there like a Hitmonchan in there? It might be. (laughs) No, no, that is the thing. It's evolving. Push B, push B. (laughs) Part of the appeal of this video is things happen in it. Faster than you can really react to them. Yeah. Which very much goes with the sort of energy of the song. At that point, you're relieved of the need to react. Exactly. All the media we watched, we're like, okay, I've got to come up with some sort of reaction to this. Like, at the very least, you have to decide whether you like it. But I have to imagine at the, the, the pace this is going at, like, there's no time to come up with a, even whether you like it or not. Exactly. It just happens to you. Now, what Pokemon was in his hand? Squirtle. That makes sense. That was makes sense. It was either that or Diglett. <gasps> Goodbye, Owl. I've been wondering what was going to go on with that Owl. He was fated for a dark fate, like Terminator. I'm glad that we are looking at towel. Yeah. Towel, black, brand, paper towels. Oh, mm-hmm. dear. Yeah, I forgot who directed this video. But it's a lot. It's a lot. There's so much more body stuff happening in it than I thought it was going to. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of body stuff going on in this video. This this video is definitely a horror movie. Right. Yeah. No, it is like framed and shot. Did you have you ever seen um Casper oh, no. Noe? No, his film Climax. I have not. Not unlike this. Uh, it's a movie about a bunch of dancers who have been rehearsing in this like big building for like three weeks and so they're done rehearsing so they have a night to celebrate the work that they've done 
and someone spikes the punch with LSD, and things go awry. Oh, you were talking to me about this yeah. when you watched it, like when mm-hmm. we first started, like, like when I first met you. It really is a descent into hell, which is like his specialty as a director. But this... it is not like a towering orgy in a dilapidated building? No. But it's not unlike that. That's fair. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about Mother! Exclamation point. It's a lot like Mother. <laughs> yeah. Similar experience of watching it. Less biblical allegory. Like, if I had to rank in terms of biblical allegory, mm-hmm. it goes Mother, this music video, mm-hmm. and then Climax. Okay, got it. What about the rest of this podcast? I'm seeing a lot of Christ imagery in this video. Yeah, like the man at the top of the tower is Christ-like. He comes down to the people and kind of frees them. In his way. Yeah. And fucks their televisions. I do not remember that part of the Gospels. That was cut out. That's like... Oh, is that in Thomas? Yeah, it's in Thomas. Okay, that makes sense. What I like to think about is that there was someone on this shoot whose job it was to puppeteer the penis. (laughs) You don't think it was animatronic? <laughs> or you don't think this guy has a prehensile dick? I mean, that still requires a puppeteer. Um, not to mention the boob puppeteer that yeah. is going on for this woman here. I really like the idea that they just went on an enormous casting search to find just the right uh, animate penis and boobs for these two characters. So presumably this police officer's face is not going to melt? No, because he's embraced it. Still, like, holding a gun in people's face. Was that guy whose face melted, was he just not worthy of this disease? Mm-hmm. They rejected him. It was too hot for him. Mm-hmm. Right. At that temperature, you have to turn down for what? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and all of these people don't know what you would turn down exactly. for. Exactly. Look at him smile. He knows what he's created. Yes. Is Little John in here? No. I've not seen Little John. No, Lil John's not in here. I think this is just like a cast of people. What I really do appreciate about this video is the amount of people in it who like look just like regular people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I really appreciate that about it. I do too. Like you too could find your entire apartment building collapsing around you in a fiery orgy of yeah. of delight. I vibe with that dude, like, sleeping in the corner. You think he's You think he's sleeping? You think he's not dead? I think he's just sleeping. I think he's just taking a nap. I think he partied too hard for himself. Yeah. And he knows his limits, and he maybe had a good time with that colander. No, salad spinner. Sorry. I choose to believe that these people are all still alive. I also choose to believe that. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun transition. Yeah. I wonder if this is, like, 2 a.m. Is this 2 a.m.? This is 100% 2 a.m. This is what it feels like. Actually, no, not true. This feels like 3 a.m. That's true. That's true. The 2 a.m. was the preceding 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do we have any theories on the origin of this virus that, oh, it's still going? Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. It really is a horror movie. The beat never stops. Mm-hmm. It does not. I think he contracted it somewhere and. Was very angry about it. Mm-hmm. That's it. We watched the whole thing. It might be original sin. It might be original sin. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. With all the biblical imagery. Exactly, yeah. Not as much as Mother, but still up there. Yep, yep, yep. 
I didn't see Lil John in there at all. No, yeah. What about DJ Snake? Do you think he... Uh... I don't know what else DJ Snake did, if anything. Or what he looks like. He also did some work for Lady Gaga at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like... He looks like a douchebag. <laughs> he looks like a real piece of shit. Like, he looks like... He's... He's... He looks like sloppy steaks at Trufani's. Oh my god. Real piece of shit. I, he looks... <laughs> he um he's wearing a a like blue crocodile skin jacket, possibly snake skin, hard to tell. Some uh, kind of He's reptile. got like a a well manicured pencil thin mustache. He's got frosted tips, and that's really just like the top is he's got like almost a Caesar, but just frosted on top. Mm. Frosted Caesar. Frosted Caesar. It's a frosted Caesar. Yeah. Uh with chicken. Uh and he's got these purple glasses and this look on his face that says, I am almost certainly better than you. Right. He looks like a straight man who stole Elton John's sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> no, there aren't enough feathers on the sunglasses or That's rhinestones. True. They're like, he went to the person who did Elton John's sunglasses and was like, can you make these for me? But like straighter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's this guy. That's DJ State. Uh, I didn't see him in the video. No, he's not in the video. DJ Snake is French, which means we can't judge him by our own cultural sense of whether it's okay to steal Elton John's glasses. I mistook his facial expression. That That is also the facial expression of someone who's just French. Yeah, who's just speaking French. <laughs> and that's fine. Like, yeah. I, if French people can be good. I respect the French. Great deal. Maybe he's a good DJ. I don't know. He might yeah. be. I didn't listen to the audio. <laughs> Uh, presumably he he will not turn it down though no no uh are we ready for another topic uh i am i'm ready for another topic i can't wait to find out eventually what happens when you actually hear the song if you feel like it goes with the is that part of this if you've never seen the video before if you don't know the song do you guys have ideas about what the song sounds like i've none I have an idea of what Little John's voice is like, and so that's that's my uh, that's my sense of it. I have heard enough people scream "Turn down for what?" in different contexts. That is that is my only exposure to this song. Right. You mentioned that there was a drop. That's my other sense of it. I will listen to this and I will uh, DM you after the show. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, Christine, your topic is modern TV rediscovering the episodic format. Yes, I feel like we're in an interesting moment for television, wherein at around the turn of the decade, around 2010, and the birth of like streaming as a force in television, we really changed the way that we were writing television, and moving towards this kind of full serialization, because television was, was going towards serialization since like the 90s yeah there was this moment especially with like the sopranos and like the golden age of television in the 2000 serializing stuff more and more and that went into hyperdrive with netflix shows and game of thrones and i feel like we're starting to swing back to shows like the mandalorian on disney plus but also shows like the Underground Railroad actually is really good at kind of having a season-long story, but really making these episodes feel like episodes. 
Yeah, as opposed to like a singular story. Yeah. I think the culmination of this is actually Brian Murphy is now making American Horror Stories, where like the like draw of the series is that the story ends in an episode. You know, like the way that television used to be. Huh. Which I kind of enjoy. I think I miss that moment in like the nineties and early two thousands where like serialization and episodic television kind of balance perfectly and it feels like it's interesting to watch people grasp for that again yeah that's interesting in fact i do think i mentioned the mandalorian but i do think sometimes the disney plus shows aren't that good at that being episodic at at being episodic i kind of feel like like writers have been so used to writing these serialized shows that like they're finding it harder to like plot these stories so that they're satisfying when you watch like an episode yeah i have to imagine like it's a a very different skill to be able to tell a story with the same set of characters who can't grow or change and you just have this this like fixed set of characters and you can only bump them into each other in a certain number of ways i think you can definitely allow for growth and change in shows that are more episodic it just happens differently I'm thinking back to, like, X-Files and Star yeah, Trek from X-Files, the 90s. great example of a show like this, where, like, those characters definitely grew and changed. Yeah, they got way hornier over the course of that. so much hornier. <laughs> as they continued to fall. What I think we're trying to get back to as, like, the episode as a unit of storytelling. Where, like, because oftentimes these shows that are very decompressed, you have a bunch of different characters whose stories are moved forward very slightly. This is the Game of Thrones model. You'll check in with a bunch of characters, and they'll have, like, two or three scenes in episodes, maybe one. But it won't feel like a story has happened. Because you have to pace that differently. Like, these shows from, like, the 90s and early 2000s, like, the pacing is so much faster. You have to establish stuff quicker, because you have to have, like, a beginning, middle, and end in the story. Like, so many of these, like, streaming shows, there's just, like, so much middle. So what's, like, a good example of that now? I really like the way Underground Railroad did it. Lovecraft Country, I think, did it decently well. Oh, right. That show has some other problems, but I think the way that it plotted was good. I feel like uh, Tuca and Birdie is almost a sitcom formula. Yeah, Tuca and Birdie's great at that sort of stuff. I think sitcoms are better at this. So- Sitcoms never really lost the ability to plot episodically. I feel like it's more dramas that... Okay. Dramas that are purely serial would be things like Law and Order. Well, I mean, that's purely episodic. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, or something like House, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like, like a that. fair amount. That's like earlier, because that's more like in the 2000s, like... It does have a lot of, it's very like case of the week, but also here's a lot of character stuff that's happening. Um, yeah. yeah. And of course, one of my favorite shows that just ended, Magicians. Which right. very Magicians. good at that. Um, yeah, also does that very well. Where like, episode is very like Monster of the Week or Problem of the Week or thing like that, but also the character work in the episode arcs are great. Exactly. But like, characters have arcs Within episodes. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Where, like, that's the thing that people lost the ability to do. Watchmen was another show that was good at this. 
going to say the new one, like there was an old Watchmen show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the new one. Yeah, the 1943 Watchmen TV serial. Yeah. It doesn't have to be procedural. I obviously, I talk a lot about procedural on my other podcast. Just episodes need to have a story that they're telling within the episode. Characters need to have arcs that end in the episode. Even if it's not their big long-term arc, the character changes by the end. As opposed to having like a gotcha game model where there's always like one ball up in the air mm-hmm. so you never feel like anything is concluded so you keep right. playing. You can do a little of both. I think yeah. we, that was a thing that we kind of were wanting to do. My friend Andrew talks a lot about the Veronica Mars model of serialization. Huh. Where, especially in the third season, but even before, you would kind of have arcs that would happen over the course of a few episodes. And then... It would move the show would kind of move on a little. There might be still some character plots that are happening over the course of the season, but like story plots that happen over the course of like maybe three or five episodes like that. You know, actually another show that is like really good at this thing, that specific model of like arcs is the animated Star Wars shows. Like Clone Wars. Oh. And those are shows that are very specifically built on arcs that last like four episodes right or yeah they're not unlike doctor who actually no laurie and i have just been re-watching some or watching some of the Clone wars animated shows and yeah that kind of thing uh which is why the mandalorian's like that because it's from what's the same right from it's because it's from the same creator yeah well co-creator because also co-creator, john favreau yeah. right but yeah i think and that's i like content, that baby that's content baby <laughs> And I'm excited because I love that form of storytelling. That's the form of storytelling that, like, I was raised on. It's the kind that I think that television is good at. I think television works better not as, like, novelistically, but as a series of, like, connected short stories. And that's part of it. I also just love short stories. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if the medium is just better at the form, at the short story form. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. I mean, I also, by the same token, am reluctant to make too many like definitive statements about what the medium is or isn't good at because it's good at lots of things. And it's changing so much. And it's much changing so much. Yeah. But I did feel like we did lose a thing. Yeah. And I do think, like, some of these shows, there's another show that happened around the same time as Mandalorian where I felt like they were trying to do Monster of the Week of the week type stuff, but like they had lost the ability to do it. I think a lot of those early Mandalorian episodes lack a little bit mm. because they're trying to do kind of story of the week, case of the week plots, but like in this decompressed pacing where all the character stuff happens very slowly. Mm. And so what you end up having is these episodes of television that are like Plot-wise, very self-contained. But, like, most of the characters have no growth at all. Are you watching anything, Jim? At the moment, I am... I'm trying to think. Am I watching a TV... We're watching Murder, She Wrote, is what we're watching. That, I imagine, is pretty episodic. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... Uh, there, are, there are characters that come back, but that's what you get in terms of continuity, is... Jessica's nephew Grady keeps popping up, being being embroiled in these all these different murders. 
but yeah, it's it's extremely episodic and it's extremely for, formulaic too, to the point where it's ludicrous that this old lady is solving like every single week. She's someone gets killed around her, and she has to figure it out. That happens in Maine, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Cabot Cove. Is that a real town in Maine? I do not believe it is. And I'm glad because people aren't constantly dying around me. Right. <laughs> right. I kind of hope British Wrote has a little bit of a renaissance like that. I feel like Columbo is having a renaissance right now. Mm. Columbo Suddenly... was miniseries, right? I know. I think it was pretty episodic, right? Oh, yeah. I guess it was episodic, but it was like movie like i don't know i remember the episodes were it was very episodic but the episodes were like long longer it's been a long time since i've seen an episode of columbo but i feel like i'm seeing people reference it more people talk about it much like the way that deep space nine seems to be having the renaissance that it's having yeah that's an episodic show that also also, has a lot of character work yeah and a lot of serialization like Uh it ends on like a 10 episode completely serialized story that's true I actually, I wrote a paper in grad school about how it has kind of the perfect balance. And that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That went by so fast. It's it's been like an hour and a half. That's content, baby. That's content. (laughs) That went by like a man falling through an apartment building. (laughs) (laughs) At at, at one quarter speed. Pumping everything inside. Howdy, if this is something that you want, where where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at H-A-L-L-I-E underscore 9000 on Twitter. I don't tweet much anymore, but, you know, that's a place to find me. And Christine, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Um, Again, if you want to see my content, you can go to thechrischerry.com, T-H-E, chrischerry.com, because chrischerry.com without the V is taken. I'm very annoyed about that. But yeah, I am the Chris Cherry. I am the definite article. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Chris Cereza, which is C-H-R-I-S-C-E-R-E-Z-A. Cereza is uh, cherry in Spanish. And that, those are the places that you can find me. And my website lets you know all the things that I've done. Great. You should have a website. I make websites. Yeah. You have a website and I don't. <laughs> Who wants to... You make websites all day. Who wants to go home and make another website? I mean, ain't that the fucking truth? You're like a character in a romantic comedy. You can make websites for everyone, but you can't make websites for yourself. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, no, God. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed this. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!